0: Hi it's Martin from the Accelerator team and I'm joined again by Jack and in this week's episode we are talking about how to scale up your business, the type of things you need to think about when you're trying to move from a, a very small business to some with a good local presence then onto a national presence and then eventually you might want to move on to an international presence so there's lots to think about we're not going to cover it all but we can give you some some things to think about Um Jack what where, where should we start then?
1: I was very eloquently put, by the way. That's completely off the cuff and I'm very impressed. <laughs> well, you know, typically, you know, as, as an accountant, you always have to start with the finance stuff, you know, when, when we're talking about expansion. Um, and I suppose the first thing in terms of finance is maybe thinking about, you know, how are you going to raise it? Where's that money coming from to help you expand? Is it something like, is it organic? Is it just um, something that's you've just kind of built up a little nest egg over time of savings. You've got a bit of excess cash and it's like, well, brilliant. What am I going to put put it to use rather than sticking it in the bank? Uh, Or is it the case you're going to be borrowing and then borrowing? I mean, there's there's almost kind of endless possibilities in terms of borrowing down the kind of traditional high street or alternative lenders, and then maybe into like venture capitalists and stuff
0: like that. I suppose the speed at which you want to do it will help to say those things won't it if you want to go with a massive splash you might need to get some proper external capital from a venture capitalist or you know your dragon's den type thing mm-hmm. you only not need like a couple of hundred grand or do something or a couple of million quid if you've got a bit of money and you just need a bit more bank is where they'll go well if you risk yours we can risk ours well you might say, well, I don't mind I'll do this over many years and I'll you know I'll just do you know a branch every five year when I've got the money but it'll take you a long time to get there won't it
1: yeah, I mean that's that's the important thing to consider is yeah, it's all to do with your risk appetite. it's it's not a case if you have to put your house on the line to to, to make it make it, make an expansion. It can be small, it can be piecemeal. And and ultimately some businesses are more expensive to ex to, to expand compared to others. We've got um you know, we've got estate agent clients who seems to open a branch kind of every every eighteen months or something like that, but as opposed to if you were trying to open another warehouse or an international one, that's not. Or something. an engineering plant, or a, like, yeah, tool up, train up, mm-hmm. complex recruitment of hundreds of people. Yeah, it's, it's mm-hmm. a different
0: thing altogether, is well. Yeah,
1: so it's important to just to think about well, how am I going to fund this? And then obviously on top of that, you've got kind of the tax side of things and. The really boring nitty-gritty stuff in terms of VAT, which neither of us are in any position to talk about, other than there's bound to be some kind of VAT effect on no matter what you do. Uh, As soon as you go over the border, that
0: that is, yeah. So yeah, so yeah, Um, yeah, because obviously, let's assume you've got your cash flow. Let's assume you've got your source of finance. Let's assume that that you're comfortable. It's going to work in the place you're trying to expand onto. But we'll come on to that. Then yes, if you're you know, you're going into a different territory. and You know, you might have a UK business. You know how the BAT works there. It's nice and easy.
1: Do you? Oh, brilliant.
0: <laughs> and, um, hopefully, if you think about going overseas, you've, yeah. you've, you've sorted of the UK side first. Um, but then, yeah, you know, you, you, you might say, well, we're going to go to France next because it's the closest. Or you might say, well, actually, there's a market for what we do. If it's Scotch whisky, you might go to Taiwan or somewhere because there's a demand for high. Value UK prestige products. Mm-hmm. What's the VAT rules in Taiwan? Who knows? i've oh, good. Know? I thought
1: you were going to ask me. <laughs> yeah, no.
0: So if you can just give us a quick summary of the VAT in Taiwan, right, just, that would be super. I've cool.
1: got it in my notes here somewhere.
0: Uh, so yeah, but there's there's all that kind of stuff. And then of course, if you know, if you're if you're selling something in Taiwan but it's made in Germany, what are the import rules? From Germany to Taiwan, because they'll probably be different to Germany to the UK, and there's all of those different import mm-hmm. duties, levies, and a whole host of other things to think about as well, isn't it? Yeah,
1: certainly, and, and Brexit hasn't made it any easier, that's for sure. And yeah. I've been dealing a lot with a client that does B 2 C sales from the UK to to the EU, and it's it was just so complicated in terms of duties, VAT. So it's really important that you understand this because ultimately, what was happening to them was that they, they were sending the stuff over to the EU and. And then the customer has been stuck with like duty and VAT, which they weren't expecting and they just go, I don't want it. So yeah, they'll send it yeah. back. The price um, isn't the price anymore. Mm-hmm. Did, yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's bad enough if it's a 25 quid, you know, piece of clothing. But if suddenly if you're dealing with very, very big pieces of equipment with, where the VAT... Big, big charges yeah, are Yeah, yeah. That, that, can, that can make a huge difference. <laughs> yeah. So that is so important.
0: And and, and and just even if you say, well, we've got all that sorted, you've still got to think of the admin. You might have to register in any country that you're operating in mm-hmm. for VAT. You might need a payroll in that country if you're employing people there. And again, well, come on, the recruitment is one of the things to think about. But, yeah, you, you've got to think really carefully about you can't just... So, go in. oh great we have got a customer in Taiwan let's do it mm-hmm. there's much
1: more to it than that, isn't there? yeah go in gun-ho <laughs> yeah,
0: so so yeah um, and then of course I just just find on the tax as well that there are very intricate rules about where income is charged so most people can go stop to pay no tax it's not that they don't pay any tax it's that a lot of their income actually goes across to other countries because of the way they've structured their deals mm-hmm. Um, there's nothing to stop anyone doing that it's just normally that the bigger guys who have bigger pockets and and get better advice Mm -hmm. But you have still got to think about well where's the actual income being generated you know if you're selling something you've made in the UK and you're selling to Taiwan you'd only expect the markup to be taxed in the country of sale so you know there's stuff like that that to be aware of as well and of course you don't normally pay tax twice on the same income so depending Mm -hmm. on which country you're in you might Pay all your tax in Taiwan, but you might still have a base in the UK and pay tax. Yeah, you know, there's lots to think about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, we, we we've got we've got kind of culture around here and country culture, and we, 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 we we've got a lot of as to what we think this is, this is going to affect, but. You can't just assume because we like doing something, and this could be, and we do it a certain way, that that's going to be easily replicated,
1: can you? I mean, you can even break it down on a regional basis. That there's quite a, there's, there's some stuff that differentiates, you know, the northeast from the south southwest and Scotland and Wales. Everything's there's there's small things, and that gets kind of amplified over over international borders. And it's right. It's 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 not it's not. A given that assuming that it works in the uk that it's, it's guaranteed to work overseas so it's yeah. been particularly if it's your first tentative steps out into the international market you 've got to be thinking carefully about where that's going to be Yeah. maybe launching a launching you know, your alcoholic brand into one of the into Dubai maybe not be the best idea because yeah. <laughs> you might be struggling a little bit there yeah. which also, is a, a silly example but yeah
0: but, 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 but. But yeah you know language of course is a barrier but there's there are certain products and things that operate within the english language that might not translate because it just might not be custom or it might not be you know mm-hmm. it, ignoring the fact that you might come up with a business name that means something rude in you know in, in, in vietnam or whatever <laughs> there's, there's loads of examples of stuff like that. yeah but ignoring that you might find that it's just not culture to buy that thing in that country. it may always be a mm-hmm. one made thing or it may be well you know we we're never going to buy it from out the country because we're you know, yeah that, I think that and it's just a whole host of
1: things yeah that? that protectionist point is probably yeah particularly important, yeah, but similarly you wouldn't be selling uh you wouldn't be trying to... I'm sure English wine sellers aren't trying to sell their, their sparkling wine to, to French people because they'll be like, turn their noses up at it and be like, we've yeah. got our champagne, thank you very much. Yeah, we don't need your... No. <laughs> we don't need your English rubbish. rubbish. Yeah, <laughs> your vinegar.
0: Yeah, yeah. I was offended by That was an awful accent by the yeah, way. Yeah, sorry, it was
1: my best uh, hello hello accent. I, I don't
0: mind the cultural appropriation, but that was terrible. Got massive, <laughs> sorry, you work on that. Sorry, sorry. see that again. It's going to be better. Um, so yeah, plus, of course, then you've got the issue... You know because because again there's lots of stuff we've got the market may be different finding people to work in the business work patterns shift patterns who the workforce is I know certainly in a lot of developing countries you know the mix between the men and women who who does what kind of work is fundamentally different in different countries mm-hmm. and you can't just assume that well we can find eight blokes to do that in this country well we'll get eight blokes in Taiwan and do the same thing it, <laughs> it's just it's totally different, isn't
1: it? Yeah, and a, a, another extreme example, like in the Far East, Japan mainly. I mean, they're they're working the norm is to work, you know, eighty hour, hundred hour weeks, yeah. and it's frapp- and then suddenly expecting someone to do that in a different country, it's, it's just unheard of that we don't know.
0: Yeah, that's before you look at it. I mean, we've mentioned um, you know we're talking about staff here at the minute, um, and then of course there's the financial side to staff. You might make something in this country and a third of your money might go on wages. If you start making it in the country with cheap labour. But, you know, you might think, oh, we're going to make more money. But they probably haven't got the money to buy the thing at that price either. Yeah. Um, or, you need to bear in mind that it might cost more to get that, the, the, the products you make into that country, mm-hmm. and that more than offsets. So, I, I remember I went to Bangladesh years ago and toothkits was really expensive. It's like like <laughs> unbelievably and then they said I water only, but you shouldn't get in your eyes anyway so it was, it was like extremely expensive mm-hmm. just because the market wasn't as, as stable you know um, I don't know what it's like now we are going back 25 years but yeah you can't just
1: yeah sorry I haven't got uh, Bangladesh chief price price uh... To hand, unfortunately. Yeah, we'll, we'll blame well. James yeah. for not doing the appropriate research on that. Yeah, we need proper research. <laughs> those um,
0: and then, of course, you've got you you, you if you if you're making a product, you've got things like patents on, as legally enforceable in some places. And I'll, I'll, we'll get from mm. what we say there, but yeah. You might think, well, you know, we're covered in the UK. We're the only people that can do that. We've got the license or, you know, we've got sole, sole rights to make this thing. But, well, that companies don't always take things as uh, as, as correctly. And, you know, <laughs> you might find that as soon as you've introduced it there, they'll take it off you, do it better. Yeah, and
1: It's not what you can do, is that? Exactly, yeah. If, if, if It's all well and good having the piece of paper, but somebody can just come up and figuratively tear that piece of paper up and go, that's a good idea, we're going to do that thank you very much uh,
0: and, I, sorry, and i
1: suppose it's, it, on the flip side of that is this yeah understanding not just the employment culture but also the law as well it's going to be it, you don't want to be you don't want to be doing your first setting up your first international well business or structure and just not understanding you know basic stuff like holiday pay and stuff like that because yeah. you could end up being quite expensive
0: but, but but also, some. could I mean, the UK is fairly heavily regulated in most areas. Um, so I can't immediately think of somewhere more heavily regulated. But it might be that something that's widely available here is actually illegal or outlawed there. Mm-hmm. Um, I know athletes get caught up because they can take a uh, hay fever medicine here, but, you know, if they're playing tennis in Australia, it's like outlawed there by, I, I'm, I'm making that up as an example, but mm-hmm. it's like you can't just assume that. You can just be allowed to do that then. That sounds awful but hopefully that sounds better to you <laughs> listen. Um, and of course we're assuming here as well Jack that, that, that we've got a business that's, that's ready to be rolled out and replicated in other places. Most people aren't in that position though, most people don't have a really super tight shape mm-hmm. that they can just go let's do that again.
1: Yeah I think if, if you were speaking to a business owner they'd be honest that regardless of how successful it is they always think that there's improvements to be made on their processes but i think we use the example of an example of how things are done well is uh, you know using fast food restaurants and mcdonald's is probably the best example of replicating processes because you can have a burger in up the road at, at cowgate and then have the exact same one in hong kong because yeah. the processes are just absolutely nailed on and everyone is replicating them there's no deviation whatsoever. Yeah. And then you know, have to to a the detriment to the, the more snobbish people out there who are like a like a bit more um fancier burgers, but you know, you can't criticise them for being inconsistent, that's for sure. Well, consistency is key,
0: and and, and, and you've used the, the burger as consistent, but also you, you you need to make sure that the team do things in the same way. They get the same burger every time because mm-hmm when their meat comes in something happens to it the same way every time you mm-hmm. the same oil every time you used to do so if you're trying to do something that has to be the same everywhere you've got to, you've got to make sure you've actually got that it sounds basically but written down it needs to be a written process doesn't mm-hmm. it so you can go well here's how we do it yeah because it because otherwise you're never going to replicate that you, you know like in my example before you're never going to get eight uk blokes who probably do it eight different ways anyway in this country if you just recruit eight blokes in Germany and say cut on mm-hmm. the results never going to be the same as it unless you've got a well defined process
1: yeah i mean you could probably get six different fry cooks from six different countries in mcdonald's and they would talk you through and it would be identical how they how they prepared something yeah, log, 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 mm-hmm. yeah. and but yeah but you compare that to a you know someone else in a factory you'd probably have three people doing the same job and they would tell you three different ways how they do it. And <laughs> yeah, so it's, it becomes more difficult and as you scale that up and the other factors that we've talked about make things so much more difficult.
0: What, what, um, what, what, what about the recruitment as well then, Jack? I think we might have covered this a little bit when we talked about the culture and things like that, but um, you, 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 you can't just, again, presume that you can replicate even just your team hierarchy. And your hourly rate So if you again if you've got eight blokes here who you've got one gaffer, seven labourers, you can't just assume you're gonna be able to do that type of thing in another country. Um, just because of you know not least the labour laws, you know, that labourers might be more valued in other countries than you know Because I think some of the Scandinavian kind of countries have got like lower differences between high scale and low scale. So that model might not work there. But even that how are you going to actually physically find this stuff either
1: well it's, it's what's really interesting is that a lot of businesses growing businesses work on kind of the entre- entrepreneurial model of management whereas essentially it's the owner manager he's at the top he makes all the decisions and it's generally quite a flat line of employees underneath him yeah. maybe a couple of levels of, of people but that obviously as we know that can't work when you're working in two different locations because yeah. he's. You can, fair enough, you can just about manage that team of six or eight people. And then some of you are expected to put the exact same time, same amount of time with another team, Putting the ge- geographical factors. It just becomes stop impossible. Stop managing one team to
0: manage the other, haven't you? Yeah. Because you've, you've built yourself into the system instead of building mm-hmm. yourself out of the system.
1: Yeah. And that's, that's the one thing that we encourage people when, encourage our clients that are looking at growth is that you ultimately need to take yourself out of the picture. Talk about the 10 hats. You need to start offloading those hats yeah. so you can actually take that position above the structure and you can look over it and that's the only way it can really be managed
0: yeah yeah i, I think you you probably need to presume that you're building a business ready for sale and a business that's ready for sale is a business that can work without you yeah you, you need to go down that road even if you're not planning the sale i think because you need to build it you need other people to be able to run mm-hmm. out of place,
1: don't you? You need to, yeah, demonstrate the value of it as a standalone entity, and that's generally yeah, I mean, where if we... If you can't, it means it doesn't stand up on its own, Yeah, which means it's going to take your time. Yeah, you are you are basically the business, and unfortunately you can't sell yourself as part of the business because the plan is obviously if you want to sell it is because you don't want to be there anymore. Yeah, yeah. So we've been talking so
0: far then, Jack, as if, as if you're going to as the business owner, you're going to grow into these places, you're going to solve all of the other issues we mentioned, and you're going to grow in. But of course, there's other options. You might decide instead just to pick a partner, a local partner, by local I mean someone in the place you want to be, and let them take some of the strain, or you might just franchise.
1: Yeah, you have hit the nail on the head there, and you know, franchising models, something that's used um, in the fast food industry, as we've already said. You know, you know McDonald's, up the road isn't necessarily run by Ronald McDonald himself. It's uh, it's generally a, a, a completely external person running his own company, but he's he's franchised it. X Y Limited, trading as McDonald's. Insert your brand, your local branch name here. And um, he's essentially just buying. What he's buying there is the processes, the how to, and the supply chain, and just so he's able to basically. It makes it look like McDonald's is this fantastic, you know, multi-site conglomerate that's got this's got their uh, got their stuff together and yeah. it's incredible and then as you said yeah the, the other option is lo- is is partnering up with a with a local uh, a local partner and I've just been chatting to one of our clients about this today they're they're keen to move their uh, expand out into the US and they've been in conversations with various people out there in terms of just setting up a, a distribution center so they'll essentially just be holding some of their stock on over in the US for them. And they they just operate their They just operate out of um, out of their their premises in the UK, but ultimately their US customers are getting serviced in a in, in much qu- in a much quicker time as if they were based in the UK almost. But it it reduces their overhead costs because they're not going out, going over to the US. Buy set, a factory in the yeah. US, spend three weeks thinking mm-hmm. which state we're going to set up. None of that. It's, it's exactly. Set, and then obviously setting up any marketing department because ultimately they can operate. They can service all of that stuff from the UK still without investing into that massively. But ultimately, yeah, the, the US customers are gonna be are gonna be better serviced and that's gonna cause some some hopefully significant growth for so them. the
0: control freaks out there, they might think, ooh, but that's that's delegating stuff that I like to control. But we already do this. People don't set up a shop and then think oh, I'm gonna start send you know, start posting things out to people's homes. I better buy four hundred trucks and set up distribution centers across the country. We already outsource a lot of what we do anyway, don't we? We don't make our own power, you know, press our own paper, but you know, speak for you yourself. Look at I, this. Look at this handiwork. I don't, I don't. <laughs> uh, but yeah, but but so so it doesn't mean you're losing control. It, you know, you you just put your faith in the same partners that you use anyway, but you're just doing it maybe a little bit further, like up the line a little bit earlier in the process, aren't you? Yeah. And it's not your people putting it in the bag and putting the label on it. It's somebody
1: else doing it. But mm-hmm. it's just you've it's got exactly to, yeah. the same service, you've, isn't it? You've got to put your faith in them. And generally, these people are in business and they're, they're reputable. So I, I'd say use them. But you didn't actually pick the obvious example, which people don't do their own accounts. Which, well, well, some do. Yeah.
0: But not normally for long. <laughs> so,
1: <laughs> not yeah. for long, no. Um,
0: and, and the other option we mentioned, franchise, briefly again, that just goes back to you've got to have a process that's easy, able to be delivered. But with both of these things, of course, there's, the, 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 it makes it easier to do, but probably less profitable, because, of course, you've got to share some of the profits you have in Yeah,
1: it has got to be some kind of incentive to, to actually buy There's got to be a reason for the person mm-hmm. to
0: do it. So, you know. Half of every burger sale—I don't know what the ratio is—but goes to the local franchise owner. Half of it, you know, a bit of it goes on meat, and the rest goes up the line. Mm-hmm. You don't make as much, but it means you can expand very rapidly. Can't yeah, it? At, and at you get franchises all over quite quickly once you mm-hmm. nail that.
1: Generally, yeah, at a, at a lower risk as well.
0: Yeah. So it's not your money going in after all. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay then. Um, so yeah, it, it, it's 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 and just just as a final thing then i think it's worth bearing in mind here that we you know we are speaking from a firm of accountants where anything you do get has a financial impact you have just got to make sure you've done your homework in advance mm-hmm. you? so you, if you're going to expand really you should really do some kind of forecast work out what you
1: think is going to come in what's going to go out we almost went actually going to make any money we almost made a whole episode without saying the word forecasting. <laughs> well, 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 I didn't want people to forget that. Look at the money. Yeah.
0: you've got to make sure the money's right.
1: You? Yeah, absolutely. And if, if 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 the sums don't add up, then it's it, it's it's generally the step step on, and it's like, well, maybe now it's not the right time. Yeah. Unless we're going to, if we're looking at a high risk strategy, then let's go and get some finance. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Because, you know, there's an no old saying, turnovers vanity, profit is sanity. You get to expand as fast as you want, but you're not making any money. Mm-hmm. That's not bad. No, that's not a good thing. It's a bad thing. No. Even worse is not making any money, but you think you're making money. That's even worse. <laughs> so, you know, you've got to be very careful. Anyway, I hope you've found that of use. Um, that's some of the things we think you should think about if you're trying to scale up your business and and head out into the big, wide world. Hope you've enjoyed it. And I uh, look forward to Sharing next week's thoughts with you.
1: Yeah.